parasha of the week is born. The particular aspect of the parasha of Shavua that we're going to look into is called uh, Kiddush HaChodesh. Kiddush HaChodesh, you know that the new moon is sanctified every month in a very kind of complicated procedure where witnesses have to come to the Beit Din and announce that they saw the new moon. The Beit Din then in turn announces that the new moon has been seen and the month has begun. If you don't see it, and you know, everybody knows that the, the, the lunar month is going to be approximately 29 days, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, so that it's either 29 days or 30 days, and somehow we work it all out. Now this mitzvah, this mitzvah of Kiddush HaKodesh, is taught to B'nai Yisrael in this week's parasha, the parasha of Bo, before they leave Mitzrayim. Before they they uh, they go out of Mitzrayim, which is the next week's parasha, right? The parasha of Bo contains the end of the Makot, Arbe, Cholshech, Makat, Bechorot, and then Paro finally agrees to let the Jews leave Mitzrayim. But in the midst of this comes this mitzvah, the mitzvah of Kiddush HaKodesh. Now let's look first at the Tzukim. This week it will, will translate somehow. Vayom HaShem El Moshe Vel Aharon. Up to here we've got it, right? HaShem said to Moshe and Aaron. Of course the question is, sometimes HaShem speaks to Moshe, sometimes HaShem speaks to Aaron, sometimes HaShem speaks to Moshe and Aaron and the, the Mephoshim are very careful about that. I mean, why does the Torah have to tell us that it was Beretz Mitzrayim? We know that they were all in Eretz Mitzrayim. Is there some hidden meaning there? So the Chodesh that we're talking about must be the month that we call Nisan. Right? You know that the Hebrew months don't have Hebrew names, really. At least certainly not in the Chumash. In the Chumash, there's the first month, the sixth month, right? They're, they're numbered. But they don't have names. In the Tanakh, there are a few old names of the months. But you know, as the Ramban points out here on this Pasuk, it's not on the sheet, but the Ramban points out that the months, the Hebrew months, have Babylonian names. And it was when the Jews came back from Babel, led by Ezra and Nehemiah, in 535 BCE, BCE, when, the, when Cyrus, the Persian king in Hebrew, Koresh, Koresh, the Persian king, gave them permission to go back to Eretz Israel and to rebuild the temple. So one of the things that they brought back to Eretz Israel with them were the names of the months. The names of the months, and so, you know, somehow, um, the names, the names, the prior names, the older names, the names that don't really appear in the Tanakh, were not so interesting for the Jews in Babel. And they immediately got rid of them and substituted them for the names that we use today, Nisan, Yar, Sivan, Tammuz, all of those names are in origin not Jewish. In fact, they are kind of idolatrous, right? Uh, Tammuz is the name of a Babylonian god. Uh, it's a Tishrei, Ishtar is the name of a Babylonian uh, god. Um, other names are just corruptions of Babylonian words, like Cheshvan. Cheshvan is, uh, the Babylonians called it Warach Shamnu. Vav, Resh, Chet, Shamnu. Shamnu, Shin, Mem, Nun. So you know, Shin, Mem, Nun is Shmone. And Warach is, you know, as anybody who speaks Arabic knows, is Yareach. So, the eighth month. 
it's called the eighth month. And even though there's an interesting, curious debate in, the, in halakhic sources about whether that month is called Cheshvan or it's called Mar Cheshvan, right? The, uh, the fact of the matter is that it's called Mar Cheshvan. Not because it's a difficult month or bitter month, but because that's the Hebraized version of Warachshanu, which is the Babylonian name of the month. That they didn't know that it was an unhappy month. They, the Babylonians. So uh, the months and the history of the months and it has an interesting. It has <coughs> an interesting history. But we are talking about a Chodesh Arishon. That's the way it is in the Chumash. And the Chodesh Arishon is the the month where the reign of the kings are counted from. In other words, every king starts his year of kingship from the month of Nisan. We learn that from the Mishnah and Rosh Hashanah. So that if a king becomes king in Adar, right? So then when Nisan runs around, that's the beginning of his second year. So if you're trying to trace, his, his, you're a historian, and you try to figure out when something happens and you know how long some king reigned, you have to make sure that you don't get like a, a, a year that was only two months long in that deal when you count backwards. So that's what, that's what the Patsuk says. But then it says, Achorish Azeh, that's Nisan, Hurosh It's the first of the months. Right? The first of them. Why it's the first? We don't know. It's the first for you of the months of the year. Now these two psukim <coughs> are heavily dissected by Rashi, by Rashi. Every word in these psukim, according to Rashi, has to be understood and explained. So let's look at what Rashi has to say. Listen to Rashi. Since Aaron uh, was part of the miracle working in Egypt, and he was like a partner to Moshe Rabbeinu, Chalak lo kavot ze b'mitzvah rishona shekalalo in Moshe b'dibur. So, in other words, since since uh, Aaron was Moshe's partner. In Yitziat Mitzrayim, in the, he says in the Moktim, in creating the miracles, the Torah honored Aaron, honored Aaron, in Moshe, to call lo in Moshe, bidibur, bidibur zeh, and then Rashi puts out, points out to us, the Mitzvah Rishona. You see those words, Mitzvah Rishona? This is the first mitzvah. What do you mean the first mitzvah? Everybody knows that there are mitzvot in the, um, in the Sefer of Breshit, like Puruvu, be fruitful and multiply. That's a mitzvah. Gidana is a mitzvah. It's the first mitzvah given to Am Yisrael. The first mitzvah given to the nation of Israel as a nation, as a community, was the mitzvah of Chodesh HaZelachem, and Rashi reminds us of that. And that in turn reminds us of the Rashi on the first Pasuk in Breshit. If you look down, Breshit Barele came at the Shemaim at the Aretz. You remember that Pasuk? Right? It's before you fell asleep. That Pasuk appeared. <coughs> That's the trouble with uh, learning Parshat Shavua on Shabbat. Right? If you try to learn Parshat Shavua on Shabbat, Usually you fall asleep. But any event, Rashi says, Rashi says, you see the Rashi next to the Pasuk? Amar Abba Yitzchak, Lo ayatzerich la'atchil et ha-Torah, Ela be'achodesh hazeh lachem. Chodesh hazeh lachem, our Pasuk. The Torah should have begun from our Pasuk, Rashi says. Shehi mitzvah rishona, shenitztavu ba'yisrael. That's it. So Rashi says, so, 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 I mean, however you explain this Rashi, and certainly this Rashi has been explained and super explained and super duper explained, but Rashi says, says at the simplest level, Rashi says, like, what is the Torah? What is the Torah primarily? Is it a handbook for how to live? 
or is it the cosmology of, uh, 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 of Torah? So Rashi says, well, it's not the cosmology. Cosmology is interesting, it's important, it's a thing to know about, but what, what's urgent? What has to be known? Mitzvot, so if you give a book to a Jew and say, this is your book, how should it start? According to Rashi, it should start from a Chodesh Zalachem, because it should start from the first mitzvah. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. If I cough again, I'm not going to say excuse me, but I mean it. Uh, the book of mitzvot, the book of mitzvot is the book that the Jews need. So, in order to emphasize that, Rashi said, the book should have started from a mitzvah. And what is the first mitzvah given to Am Yisrael? And when was it given to Am Yisrael? On the way to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, even before Yitzhak Mitzrayim, in Mitzrayim. So why does, <coughs> why does the Torah need the book of Reshit? Why do we need the book of Reshit? So, and if we need it, we don't need it at the beginning. We could put the book of Reshit at the end. And not at the beginning. This is the position of Rashi. So Rashi Gitana says, I don't even think that this statement that Rashi went uncontested because the Ramban right here in the beginning of the Torah disagrees with Rashi he says it's important it is to be illogically important it is important to know who you are before you accept the mitzvah it is important to know who God is before you start doing of doing the mitzvah, the mitzvah. But Rashi says, Rashi says, Matam Rashi has an answer. I mean, since we asked the question, we'll ask and give the answer that Rashi gives. Mishun She. Mishun. Koach Ma'asaf, Yigid La'amola, Teplahem, Nachalat Goyim. What's the possible? That God decided to give Nachala Ke'eretz Kena'an to this people. Higid la'amol v'teit lem nachalat goyim she'im amru umota olam Yisrael l'shtimatem because if the non-Jews will come I mean this is reminiscent of some problem we have today as well if the non-Jews will come and say to the you stole our land right? That's what, that's what they say. Now what are they really saying? What do you mean you stole our land? So they're, they're arguing theology. All these nations, they said, why are we here? We're here because God put us here. If God didn't want us to be here, then we wouldn't be here. This would be an empty space waiting for you to just come and settle. This is the argument of listim attempt. Listim means you are criminals. Criminals meaning acting against divine will. That's what the non-Jews who live in Eretz Kinaan will say to the Jews. And therefore, the book of Reshit, according to Rashi, has special importance because it indicates that the world that God created is never fixed, but is always a function of divine will. And the fact that God wants the, the Am Yisrael to go to Eretz Yisrael is a fact that derives from divine will. And that will, the, the people who live there have to just accept. Right? The Rashi even quotes a Pasuk in Tehillim to defend that. So, we see again that according to Rashi, there is no doubt that the first Pasuk or that the first Mitzvah in the Torah is a Chodesh Hazelachem. And the first mitzvah in the Torah, right, the first mitzvah in the Torah is not given to us at the beginning of the Torah, but in the kind of the, the middle of the Torah, or after the book of Breshit, because there is some theology that is involved. But what Rashi does not explain to us is, what Rashi does not explain to us is why this mitzvah was chosen to be the first mitzvah in the Torah. I mean, couldn't God have taught us anything? 
Could the God have told Moshe and Aaron to teach us any mitzvah that would be current or would come up? Uh, right? The Midachodesh Zelachem is not more current than any other mitzvah. Any other mitzvah that like, uh, teaches us about tefillah or teaches us about about Trumot and Masrot, or whatever it is that, uh, that, that we, we might have to know. Why HaChodesh HaZel Lachem? So let's go back to the Rashi. Rashi says, Be'eretz Mitzrayim, you see the, you see the Rashi, Be'eretz Mitzrayim? Chutz Lakrach, out Be'eretz Mitzrayim, Rashi said, means it wasn't in the city. It was in the land. The land means not in the city. Maybe it was in the city. Talmud Lomar, so it's a raya that Moshe, that God spoke to Moshe and Aaron out of the fields, not in the city. <coughs> if that pasuk later on says that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't want to daven in the city because the city was full of idolatry, so certainly when God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu to tell him Torah, that would also be a, 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 the case. He says, God did not speak to Moshe and Aaron in the city because it was full of idolatry. Second pasuk in Rashi, HaKadosh Hazeh, he showed him a new moon. A new moon, right? That's what the Chidusha Chodesh is dependent on. Spying, seeing the new moon. The new moon, as you know, is a sliver. Right? It's just a bit of it at the beginning of every month. And that's why it presents sometimes some difficulty. Amarlo, Shayareach Mitchadesh, Yelecha Rosh Chodesh. So Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, when there is a new moon, that's Rosh Chodesh. That's what I'm talking about. When you see the new moon, you see Rosh Chodesh. Vein Mitzray Yotzevi Dei Pshuto. And uh, I have to tell you something about the Pshat. Al Chodesh Nisan Amarlo Zei Rosh Vesede Minyana Chodeshim that the month of Nisan is month number one in the order of the counting of the months. No, no. That's what Rashi says. Rashi says, what does Rishon mean? Rishon means it's the first in the counting of them. There's the first month, the second month, the third month. Okay, this Rashi also demands Further interpretation, but we will leave it for now. Can I ask a question? What? Why we celebrate this yet the tribe in Nisan? Because that's when they actually left. I mean, it may have taken 200 years for Yitzhak Mitzrayim. But that would be a long time to eat matzah. <laughs> so we celebrate the day that the Jews left and the day of Kriyat Yam Suf, A week later. And that's, that's how we celebrate Pesach. <coughs> but here Rashi says, Rashi says, in Rosh Chodeshim, Yishon Hu Lachem HaChodesh HaZeh. You know Zeh? The word Zeh in Hebrew? Right? It's what they call in English a dectic pronoun. It means you're pointing at something. This, this one or that one. And of course the word Zeh, when I grew up, nobody ever told me that it could mean something. It was just like one of those little words, you know, these words they call prepositions in English. The, you know, preposition means don't bother me. Right, it doesn't mean anything. Chazal, Chazal had a different kind of sensibility about language. And they thought that there's a difference between saying Chodesh and a Chodesh Hazeh. 
that when you said the word zeh, it meant something. And look what Rashi said. Hazeh. Rashi said, tells us a story. So Moshe Rabbeinu looked up in heaven and he said, what do you mean a sliver? Like, when does it become a sliver? When is there enough of the new moon to say that it's a new month? Rashi Arashi says that Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't understand what sliver was being referred to. So Rashi says that God showed him Vamalo Kazer. Zeh, see that little word Zeh? Kazer. pointed to heaven and said to Moshe, Did you see it? That's it. Kazer a and how did God show Moshe and Aaron what it was that was the new moon? God only spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu during the day. And usually we can't see the moon during the day. And if we could see the moon during the day, sometimes... We're not going to see the new moon during the day. That little sliver of moon would be really hard to see. All these sukim that say that God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu during the day. The last line, In other words, it was getting dark. Hashem taught Moshe Rabbeinu, right? Taught Moshe Rabbeinu the laws of Kiddush HaKodesh. <coughs> and as it got dark, HaKodesh Moshe said, Zeh! And then it got dark. And Moshe Rabbeinu looked up, and he saw the new moon. And so he knew. So that there's something mysterious about this halacha. This is not the only thing in the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty with. <coughs> but whenever Chazal say that Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty, it's something that is worth considering. Yeah, Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty. A new moon, a new moon. But Moshe Rabbeinu, according to Chazal, did not understand what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said. He says, Nisan is number one month of the year, and that there is Rosh Chodesh. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, how do I know what it looks like? How do I know what it is? And HaKadosh Baruch said, Zeh, somehow pointing to heaven, as the day uh, got dark, and he was able to see the new moon, and Moshe Rabbeinu knew, and Aaron knew, what the new moon that they were looking for was actually like. So we have sort of two questions. There are two different questions. Why? Why is this mitzvah the first of the mitzvot in the Torah? And why was it that Moshe Rabbeinu had difficulty? What was it that that Moshe Rabbeinu that Moshe Rabbeinu was uh, uh, confused about? I mean, a sliver a new moon. It happens every month. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu saw it every month of his life. He didn't know, perhaps, until this moment that it was a mitzvah, that there was something special about it. But he should have certainly been able to ask the, answer the question, is that a new moon? Right? That was something that Moshe Rabbeinu should have known. And yet, Rashi teaches us that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know anything about it. Before we try to answer these uh, two questions, let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban on the sheet, just, this is really, the Ramban is a very uh, long essay about Kiddush HaChodesh. Uh, the part that uh, is on the sheet is just the Ramban's introduction to the topic of Kiddush HaChodesh, right? To these Pesukim. So what does the Ramban say? 
שזו מצווה ראשונה שציווה הקדוש ברוך הוא את ישראל על ידי משה רש"י ולכן אמר בארץ מצרים כי שאר מצוות שבתורה היו בהר סיני and that's why בארץ מצרים is emphasized the land of מצרים unlike רש"י who said בארץ מצרים means it wasn't in a city the Rambam says no the emphasis is that this part of the Torah was given to B'nai Yisrael before Har Sinai. Before they arrived at Har Sinai. So that's Be'eretz Mitzrayim. O Sheba'al Omar, Be'eretz Mitzrayim, Lo Be'ir Mitzrayim, Kamo Shamru Chachaboteinu. You know, as he says, what Rashi says, Chutz Lakrach. V'raya ra'ui sheyomar t'chilah. דברו אל כל עדת ישראל לאמור החודש הזה לכם וגומר הפרשה אבל משה ואהרון הם במקום ישראל. Those why does it say אל משה ואל אהרון? It should say אל ישראל. So he says משה and אהרון somehow are standing in the place of בני ישראל. ואמר לכם כנגד ישראל לדורותם. You see that פסוק החודש הזה לכם. This month Nisan is for you. It's your month forever and ever according to the according to the Ramban. וחזר ואמר דברו על כל הדת ישראל שיצווה במצוות שעה לקחת פסח מצרים מבעשור. It's the continuation, the next pasuk, which is not printed on the sheet, is Dabru El Kol Adat Yisrael. And that introduces the mitzvah of taking the Korban Pesach, which they took on the 10th day of Nisan. And they kept it until the 14th day when they shechted it, when they gave the sacrifice of Korban Pesach. So there it says Daber al-Adat b'nei Yisrael but it doesn't say Daber al-Moshev al-Aharon because the mitzvah to take the Korban Pesach on the 10th of Nisan was what the Ramban calls mitzvah sha'ah. They only did it once. They only did it once. Forever after they brought the Korban Pesach but there was no special obligation to take it on the 10th of Nisan. You brought the Korban Pesach on the 14th of Nisan. I hope this is not too uh, distracting. I'll just say it again. The issue of the Ramban is why does it say Vayova Sheva Mosheva Laharon whereas in Pasuk Gimel it says Dabel Kol Adat B'nei Yisrael. So this is when it says Dabel Kol Adat B'nei Yisrael the Ramban said it was a mitzvah sha'ah. Mitzvah Sha'ah is a mitzvah that was done by B'nai Yisrael from Yitziat Mitzrayim until they got to Eretz Canaan once. Any mitzvah that was done once and only once is called Sha'ah for that time, for the moment, for that. That's when it was, that when it was done. But Moshe and Aaron, Moshe and Aaron, they received this mitzvah, Kodesh Zelachem, Lachem, right? For you, forever. That's what the Ramban, Ramban says. So you have also... <coughs> uh, what, what is the Ramban saying? What is the Ramban saying? Ramban saying that, that real mitzvot, mitzvot that are forever kinds of mitzvot, are given on Har Sinai. And that this mitzvah, of HaKodesh Zelachem, is also a forever mitzvah, <coughs> when it was given to B'nai Yisrael it was given to B'nai Yisrael now in this place in Mitzrayim before Yitziat Mitzrayim which is itself a remarkable thing why should it be given in Har Sinai with all the other with all the other Mitzvahs okay so we looked we looked here and we looked there and now we're going to look and see uh, we'll look for a solution so the solution that I want to present you with is the solution of the um, of the Shemi Shmuel. Shemi Shmuel, you know, is uh, the Egletal is the Sochachov. His son 
was, uh, was Shmuel. Now Shmuel, the son, wrote down all the Torah of the father. He was the writer. The father wasn't the writer. So there are three famous books that are connected to Sochacha. What is called the Egle Tau, which is about the Lametet and Lachot of Shabbat. <coughs> the other is called, uh, the other is called uh, the Avnei Nezer, which are the She'elot Chuvot of the father, again, of the Sochacha. And the third is called the Shemi Shmuel, which addresses our Parashat HaShavua, including a volume on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Right? So this is an extract from the Shem Shmuel, Parashat A, and the parasha begins with you know, the words, you know, oh, oh, it's called Rosh Chodesh Elu, Shmat Tafresh Ayin Zayin. Now, I don't want to read the, to the first paragraph, I will start from the second paragraph, which is the, the seventh line. Well, the Fidar Kenu, it says. The Fidar Kenu, I mean, he said this on other occasions, that's what he means. Yesh had the in quotes the Gemara in Zvachim, Dafsari Aleph. There the Gemara said something enigmatic, which, you know, not so unreasonable for the Gemara. The enigmatic statement in the Gemara is Musafei Rosh Chodesh Mikudashim Mishel Shabbat. Like something that is absolutely hard to, to comprehend. The Musaf sacrifice that's given on Shabbat is even greater or, or more sacred than the Musaf uh, uh, I'm sorry, the opposite, right? The, the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh. On Rosh Chodesh, there's a Musaf sacrifice. Today is Rosh Chodesh, by the way. Isn't that a happy coincidence? So, so everybody knows that on Rosh Chodesh, you say Musaf. There's a Musaf that you say in Rosh Chodesh, which lengthens the davening, which I know everybody's very happy about. So there's a Musaf that you say tomorrow. That Musaf comes instead of the Musaf, the Korban Musaf that was given on Rosh Chodesh. Every Rosh Chodesh. So the Gemara comes and says, there's a Musaf sacrifice given on Rosh Chodesh. And there's also a Musaf sacrifice, as you know, given on Shabbat, because every Shabbat you say Musaf. There's a Tefillah called Musaf. So the Gemara says, in some odd way, that the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh, the Korbanot Musaf of Rosh Chodesh, what's the, what is the word in the, in the, uh, that the Gemara uses? Mikudashim, Mishra, they are more sacred yet than the Korban of Shabbat. Now, okay, taking it face value. It doesn't make any sense to us because we would imagine that everything that you did on Shabbat, even if it was similar to whatever happened during the week, it was somehow more impressive on Shabbat than it is during the week. So, he says, Ukvar higadnu dvarim I've already explained this many times. There is a further explanation that I would like to uh, to suggest. The Neshabatu Achar Sheishet Shabbat is the seventh day of the week. That's the way it's presented in Perak Aleph of Breshit. God created day one, day two, etc. Until we get to Shabbat. And that, those six days of creation, those six days of creation is, are called Yemei HaMaaseh, the days of, of action, of doing, of making. V'hainu, dekefi ta'aluchat ha'adam, v'sheshet Yemei HaMaaseh, v'otam mitazokheh, l'or kidushat Shabbat. 
So according to the Shemi Shmuel, the way he sees the world, he sees the world is that Shabbat is the pinnacle of our enterprise. Because what do we do all week long? We prepare for Shabbat. That doesn't mean that we don't do anything. That we sit around and think about Shabbat. But whatever we are doing, we are either declaring ourselves worthy of Shabbat or not. Because we work, we can work honestly or dishonestly. We can do chesed or not do chesed. We can give tzedakah or not give tzedakah. But all of this is part of the work that we do during the Sheshet Yemei HaMa'aseh. And all that work that we do during the Sheshet Yemei HaMa'aseh determines what Shabbat is according to the Sheshet Yemei And therefore the Sheshet Yemei might be, might not find appropriate this idea that you could just turn on Shabbat, which is like a kind of very modern, modern notion. You go to the Kotel, you stand there looking unhappy, and somebody comes over to you and says, come for a meal. And then there's Shabbat suddenly. <coughs> but the way he sees it, Shabbat is the result of an investment. Your investment in trying to make the world a better place, a more sacred place, at the end of the six days of enterprise, at the end of the six days of enterprise, then comes Shabbat. How much Shabbat do you get? As much as you invested in Shabbat. If you invested for the six days preceding Shabbat properly, then you get Kedushat, what does he call it? The Or Kiddushat Shabbat. Right? Or light is always the metaphor for something uh, beyond reality. Right? Light is, is even today something of a mystery. I mean, even today physicists are not perfectly clear, but there's no doubt that light uh, is different than anything else. At least you know that we, I mean, I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm not talking about quantum mechanics, which is certainly different than anything else. But just light, you see light all the time. You know, you just open the light and it goes. I mean, you know how far it goes? It just goes forever. So, or, light is or, uh, is, the, is the metaphor for the most uh, uh, sacred thing that we have, which is Torah. Right, Torah is or. So when he says or Kiddushat Shabbat, what he means is Kiddushat Shabbat can be imposed by regulations. Don't do this, do that. That's Kiddushat Shabbat also. But or Kiddushat Shabbat has to have a worthy repository. Not everybody has or Kiddushat Shabbat according to the Shavish rule, but, but you could strive for it. You could try to get it. And then he says, uh, and therefore he says, Mashlu Mashal, and that's what the Gemara means when it says, Misha Tarach the Erev Shabbat, Yochal the Shabbat. Whoever works hard Erev Shabbat, he will eat the Shabbat. Now, whether that means that if you bake challahs, you know, if you decide to bake whole wheat challahs instead of that regular stuff, that that's called Tarach the Erev Shabbat. Maybe, I don't know. But, but that's not what he means. He means, if you spend a whole week working to make Shabbat into Shabbat, Shabbat. He will have a Shabbat meal. Right? Which is, for him, different than any other meal that you might eat at any other time of the week. He says, Achrashchodesh. He says, Rosh Chodesh is not like Shabbat. Rosh Chodesh is the first of the days of the months. And even though in this month we haven't yet done a thing, we haven't practiced the Torah, we haven't studied the Torah, we haven't brought anything 
a, a serious into the world because you just haven't had any time. You haven't done anything. <coughs> he says, At times, Lord, see no the Chodesh, I said, Varim Shal Yadam, the Skelly Akash Chodesh, become a calm. Yom Zehu Haba Achami Utayareya. This day is the day that comes after Mi'ut Ayarech. Mi'ut Ayarech means that the, the, the moon gets very, very small. And in other words, what is there about Rosh Chodesh? It's very difficult to know if it's the last day of the previous month or the first day of the following month. And you remember what Moshe Rabbeinu said? Moshe Rabbeinu said, I don't get it. Which is the new moon? Which is the new moon? And HaKadosh Baruch said to him, Zeh, and showed him that you could tell what the new moon is. Why? This day comes after the moon gets very, very small. And how do you know that it's the new moon and not the end of the old moon? He says, because you feel the emptiness. You feel what you're missing. And if he doesn't quickly accept upon himself the obligation of turning the month into a special time, and there'll be nothing. He'll get nothing at all. But if he feels that emptiness when he looks at the new moon, then he will resolve to make this month into a memorable time. Something special. Something that will not be easily uh, uh, confused with any other time. And he says, Kinyan and Alexander. There was the Rebbe, they were they were both rebellion at the same time. The Paris the Rashas, Yiskolo Yom Hamitaj and the Perushi Atta Onesh and the Shiavechmi Olam Rekam. Yiskolo Ad Ad Yom Hamita. The Gemara says that a person has to always remember that he's going to die because you don't want to die empty-handed. You want to die without anything. Okay. I just want to explain. I want to explain. What the what the Shemi Shmuel contrasted was Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh. I mean that's what the Gemara contrasts, but he explained it as follows. He said, Look, Shabbat that's what we get after we put in a week's worth of work. And we get Shabbat. And everybody knows that not every Shabbat is the same, and not every time period is the same. And not every kind of kiyuma Shabbat is there. I mean, even though we tell ourselves it's different, it's special, I'll stop whatever I'm doing and I'll just do Shabbat. But we understand, we understand personally, that our own investment in Shabbat makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. I mean, if we've learned Torah during the week, if we've done mitzvahs during the week, we had good relations with other people during the week. So all of those things change. Change the Shabbat that is about to come upon us, which doesn't mean 
that you don't have to make special investments also for Shabbat. Certainly you do. But it is the feeling of Shabbat is that there is a menucha, that there is a peacefulness that comes from a week, comes after a week of Maaseh. Whereas Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh is a kind of a, of a red light. It starts from nothing. It starts from nothing at all. And you have to have the feeling that you're challenged, that the month has got to be made, that you've got to create something during this coming month, and that that creation will enable you to achieve even more than you imagine. So the Gemara says that the Kedushah of the Musaf of Rosh Chodesh is greater than the Kedushah of the Musaf of Shabbat, because the Kedushah of the Musaf of Shabbat has something to do with what I did, whereas the Kedushah of, of Rosh Chodesh is about what I have yet to do. And if Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand what the slivery was looking at was, was at the end of the previous month or the beginning of the new month, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu explained to Moshe Rabbeinu, it's when you look at it, you'll feel the emptiness of achievement. That's the new moon. That's the new moon. And so here's B'nai Yisrael. Here's B'nai Yisrael. After 210 years of slavery, of being in a foreign place, having to fight against foreign influences, having very little <coughs> opportunity to achieve sanctity on any level. I mean, they may have done the mitzvot properly or not, but sanctity. Sanctity is a feeling. It's something that you have to impose upon the ritual. It's not the ritual which equals the sanctity. It's the ritual that sets the parameters for the sanctity that you have to somehow devise within yourself. You have to come up with it. Otherwise, it's, it's just not there. It's not because you're talking during davening. It's not why there's no sanctity in the davening. It's because you're not davening. You have to understand you need something else. You're in a different place. In a different place. And when the rabbi gets up in Jew and says, don't talk, be quiet, he's wrong. I don't mean he's wrong. I'm kicked out of the union. Or I mean, of course he's not wrong. But that's not the issue. The reason that people talk during davening is because they don't daven. So if you don't daven, you're bored. And if you're bored, you talk. Right? So, he can, so if, he te- if he makes them stop talking, if he does it, somebody has dogs in the shul or something. <coughs> oh, guys walking up and down the clubs. And they club people who talk in shoes. Okay, so no one's going to talk, but they're not going to doubt it. That's not the way it works. Way, they, so, so, so you understand, people, people talk because they're not doing anything. And it's boring not to do anything, and there's nothing on. There's no TV, there's no basketball game, there's no... I think two years ago I went to a basketball game in Los Angeles. I'm telling you the story because I want you to think that I'm a regular person. (laughs) 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 So I went with somebody who I I didn't even know at the time what it meant, but he... We had a group of people and we had a box at a Lakers game. You know the boxes? I mean, I knew they were there, but I was never inside one. So you go into the box, and there's a guy serving coffee, and, uh, and uh, you know, there's food all over the place, and we even had kosher food. And, and so they had the basketball game. And every place you look, there's this tremendous screen. Wherever you look, there's a screen, and the screen is projecting exactly what you see on the floor. In, in other words, there's no, and, and in the box, there are little TV screens that you could sit down in front of them and watch the same basketball game. That means that there's no way that you could turn your attention away from what's going on in the basketball game. There's no place to go. There's no place to look. You could sit under the seat, maybe. But you just keep looking. So that's, 
That's what an attention-grabbing setup is. You can't stop watching the basketball game. There's nothing you can do except blinders on your eyes, but in shul, in shul, it's wrong to think that if people don't talk, if it could be the people are talking, they're like they're like talking about things that really annoy them, that are meaningful to them, like the stock market or some Russian horror, you know. But but keeping quiet doesn't change it. Doesn't change. You have to feel. You have to feel that there's something important that you're missing out on if you talk. You know what you know what I mean? Like there's got to be something about talking. I'm not doing whatever else I'm supposed to be doing. So in order not to talk, I've got to think that something else is really important. So this is like uh, why are we talking about basketball then? What? Preparing for shots. That's the emptiness. We're talking about the emptiness. So, 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 they were slaves, and they may have done the mitzvot, but they they couldn't do it as free will actors. I mean, they were slaves. Slaves change your slavery changes your perspective of things, so that even though Moshe Rabbeinu, we're now at the end of the Pasha of Aira, at the end of the Pasha Shmot, Moshe Rabbeinu appears and says, "We'll get you out of Mitzrayim," and then things go bad, and B'nai Yisrael they complain. Why me? <coughs> so what the Bnei Yisrael had to understand in order to leave Mitzrayim was that they are the masters of their souls to some extent. Let's understand that. That the spiritual world that Moshe Rabbeinu was offering them was something that they had to make on their own. It was theirs to make. And so Chodesh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, it's a Chodesh Zalachem. That's the mitzvah. You start out with that sliver, and you say, what am I going to do with it? How am I going to make it into something? The Gemara says, the Kedusha, <coughs> the Kedusha of Rosh Chodesh, Musaf Rosh Chodesh is greater and the Kedusha of Shabbos, the Kedusha of Shabbos is a stable thing. After all, once I've done it, once I've achieved it, once I've worked the six days, you may say, I get Shabbos. But Rosh Chodesh is all potential. It's all about what I might do. So of all the mitzvot in the Torah, what is the shame of Shmuel? He doesn't say what I'm saying, but you have the sheet, so you know, I'm not trying to fool you. But it seems to me that what he means to say is, that B'nai Yisrael needed this mitzvah of a Chodesh HaZelachem. And this is the question that Rashi in Breshit and Rashi here in Shemot does not address. Okay, I know, I have no, I know to Rashi, but we are addressing it. And the Shem Yishmuel addressed it. And he tried to explain to us that in life, sometimes you, 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 you get the benefit of the result of enterprise. But other times you get the, uh, the understanding that if you will be enterprising, you'll reach heights that you could never, that you could never imagine at first. Have a good chance.